I love the way they're talking to you. Because they're winners. Winners get to do what they want. Welcome to Season 6 of the Raise Your Game Show, a podcast that zeroes in on the proven principles and time-tested strategies of high performance in sports and business. I'm your host, Alan Stein Jr. And this season, I chop it up with an array of high performers from a variety of different fields and with a variety of different areas of expertise to find out the habits, mindset, and disciplines they've developed to not only raise their game, but to sustain it as well. More specifically, I will find out what they have done and what they continue to do to manage stress, avoid stagnation, and beat burnout. After all, it's one thing to reach the top, it's another to stay there. I hope you enjoy, and more importantly, I hope you benefit from the wisdom they bestow and that it helps you raise and sustain your game. Don't act like you're not impressed. On the topic of sustaining excellence, the world's most effective and impactful leaders know how important it is to constantly invest in their people. If your team, business, or school could use a shot of optimism, positivity, and inspiration to end this year on a high note, or if your team would benefit from a series of proven, actionable strategies that can be implemented immediately for tangible results, please visit allensteinjr.com. I offer a wide range of highly customized virtual speaking services. From 15-minute pre-recorded messages to interactive live Zoom presentations to highly produced in-studio keynotes. If you're committed to showing your team how much you value them, appreciate them, and care about them, visit allensteinjr.com now. In this episode, I get to wrap with someone I've admired and listened to for many years, Jordan Harbinger. Jordan is the host of The Jordan Harbinger Show, which is one of the most listened-to podcasts in the world. He releases episodes three times per week and receives over six million downloads each month. If you're a loyal listener like I am, you'll learn the stories, secrets, and skills of the world's most brilliant and interesting people. Some of his previous guests include Kobe Bryant, Mark Cuban, Malcolm Gladwell, and Ray Dalio. Check out jordanharbinger.com to subscribe to his show. Here are my favorite thoughts from our chat. Let's do it. It's go time. Number one. In this clip, Jordan talks about his preparation and the notes that go into his podcast and how listening is key in successful interviews. Nothing is really scripted per se, but I do have like eight pages of notes, six to eight pages of notes. And those notes will say something like, okay, here's the beginning story that I want to open with, you know, and then there'll be something there. And I'll say, okay, tell me, tell me this funny story that happened to you recently that I heard on another show that I thought was really good. Let's like get that out of the way. That'll hook people. Then we go back to their early life and I've got like five bullets about the early life of this person. And then I say, all right, well then you found out you were learning disabled. Talk about that. Okay. Talks about that. What did that do for you? Not negative thing. What did that make you feel? Negative thing. But okay, what were the advantages to this? Well, actually, there were advantages to it. Da 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 da. Okay, great. Get the story of how you built your business. So like, I go and you know do that for six pages. The questions aren't written in the notes, but so occasionally they are, but very rarely. And I'm listening to the answer just in case it leads into something else in my notes that makes more sense to go into. So I don't I don't go. How did you build your business? Great. How was school for you as a kid? Great. How was college for you? 
great. Where'd you get your ideas? Great. I, you know, interviews like that are annoying to listen to, and you can tell when the interviewer just has a scripted list of questions. Usually they're not listening. And so I'm listening, but I'm also very conscious to move around in my notes. So if they start going off on a tangent, I might let the tangent go and then bring it back to my notes. And then I'll tell my producer, hey, not sure the tangent about uh, underwater basket weaving was necessary. Use your judgment. And then he'll recover 10 minutes in the final version of the show. That's another thing. Like I know a lot of these talk show hosts, like Adam Carolla, they don't edit during the show. Everything that's in there, unless there's like a huge flub, it just goes into the final product. It's more like talk radio. My show, while not produced, it doesn't have music all over the place and like sound effects or anything. But my show, every minute of the listener's time is is earned. Yes. If there's fluff, if there's a somebody sneezes, there's a cough, there's a lawnmower, and we got to retake something, I cut all of that stuff out. Because if I'm creating something and it takes me two hours or an hour and a half, but then it goes out to 200,000 people. If I wasted, like, let's say, three minutes of something that's kind of boring and mundane that didn't need to be in there, but I'm too lazy to write it out, I've just wasted, like, 750,000 minutes on Earth of humanity. Uh, you know, like, that's like an actual tragedy. You oh. know, like, wh what could have been done during 750,000 minutes of people's time? I think it's brilliant. Number two. In this clip, Jordan shares his process for obtaining guests, recording interviews, and putting out killer episodes. We get them as we can get guests, but I typically do at least three interviews a week, which is a lot, a lot, a lot. Because remember, I'm reading the books. Well, that's what I was you know, I'm spending like eight hours prepping for each one. So I, I do get slammed for sure. The other thing that is intense is, uh, yeah, and I'm about 20 ahead. And that's because what happens if I get sick, right? I can't just not release. I mean, I can, but it costs money to not put shows out because I've got advertisers, I've got to cancel stuff. So, and I've got mouths to feed, right? So I, I definitely want to keep the release schedule going, but I'm, I'm getting them as I get guests because there's some weeks where my wife goes, Charles Cope can only do Tuesday the 13th. David Duchovny can only do the 14th. You know, Greg McEwen can only do the 15th. And Jeff Bezos, who's not really coming on the show, can only do the 16th. And I'm like, all right, there goes my weekend. You know, cancel all my calls, cancel all my other appearances. I got work to do, and I'll just dig in and do it. And it'll be kind of miserable sometimes. But, you know, other weeks, she's like, you have one interview this week. And it's a book you read a year ago, and the guy canceled because he got sick, and here he is. So it does balance out. It's rough, though, because I'm like a reporter. I don't go, I'm going to do this on Tuesday morning. I try to do that. But then that person has breaking news that they got to handle or they get sick and we got to move it. And so I, I really do try to be careful with it. But I can only do like one interview a day, maybe two. And then I'm done. I'm fried. If I do two a day, then it's like, don't make me do anything in the afternoon. Like I'm tired just even thinking about doing two in one day. Okay. So three in one day would, would kill me probably. You're a genius. That's the most outstanding answer I've ever heard. Number three. In this clip, Jordan explains the changes he's made during the course of his career and the way he's been affected by this pandemic. So I used to do everything in person, almost everything, not everything. And so for, for probably for like 12 years, I did everything remote. And then I started to do them in person and I was flying to New York and I was flying to Chicago and I was flying here and there. 
and it was fun, but it was kind of like, all right, I'm doing this for YouTube and I don't really care about YouTube. I'd much rather focus on the audio podcasts. And look, we've got Zoom, we've got Squadcast, we've got all these different types of pro programs that make it sound great. And people go, what are you going to do, mail them a microphone? And I go, it's cheaper than a freaking flight in a hotel room. You know, so it's not even 10% of the costs, you know, of the, of, the, of the flight, let alone the hotel room and food. So I just, I realize now with COVID, yes, I'm doing everything remotely. So my new thing is like, look, you know, if I've got an interview with uh, the CEO of Blackstone, you know, and it's a billionaire, yeah, I'm going to fly to his office in New York and do the interview. If I've got an interview with somebody who's amazing, I'm going to fly there and do the interview. But if it's like a scientist... I'm just going to have them do it from the office. And people on YouTube, no one has gone, why aren't you in person? Who cares? You know, it, yes, there's something missing when you're doing it remotely. But now, especially after COVID, I think now everyone has been forced to use Zoom. So no one is really going to be that interested in doing it in, in person for a while. And that's fine. It, before you'd get these scientists on zoom and they were like, I don't understand how it works. I'm cranky and I'm going to do a crappy job. You know, they're going to get now everyone knows how it works. So I'm kind of thankful for that because it's made remote mandatory, which means that in the future, it's going to be a lot easier for me to get people on there. They're going to go. Yeah, of course I have zoom. Of course I have zoom and a microphone and headphones. What do you think I am? Whereas before COVID it was like, You've never used Zoom. Okay, here's how you download it. Here's how you install it. Here's how you plug in a USB microphone. Here's how you plug in headphones. And, and you know, I'd have, like, astronauts who repaired the frickin' Hubble telescope, and they would just be like, I don't understand why this damn thing doesn't work. It should be like a phone. And I'm like, you were walking in space. How is this that big of a problem for you? Um, but I think after COVID, you know, now, I mean, my mom can use Zoom, and she's, like, 78 years old, right? So it's going to be kind of tough to, to find somebody who doesn't even who, who doesn't know how to use it. That's the smartest thing I've ever heard anyone say about anything. Number four. In this clip, Jordan talks about reinventing himself and making the move from Wall Street to podcasting. For, for me, early on, even when I was in law school and I started doing the podcast, I was like, this is cool. It's like being a radio show host which I always wanted to do as a kid. And then I, I started working on Wall Street and I was moonlighting on Sirius XM satellite radio. And I was like, you know, I look forward to this all week. This is the coolest part of my week. I'm planning stuff I'm going to do on the show all week. You know, how do I just do this? And then I found out what, you know, your standard radio show, who you know, makes. And I was like, yikes. And then I, I found out, okay, if I can get a five-day-a-week show, then I'll be making pretty good money, you know, pretty pretty damn good money. So I started to think about how to do that, and, and it just wasn't going to happen with SiriusXM. They just didn't have the money, and uh, it was all going to Howard Stern. So I kept doing the podcast, and now I'm like, wait, this is where it's at. Nothing is live unless I want it to be. I can have in-depth conversations. I don't have any technical stuff. I don't have to be in the room at a certain time. I don't have to go to Times Square and do it. I can do it from my hotel room uh, or now I'm in my studio here at home. And, and it's just, it's so great. I own the way that it's distributed, you know, across platforms. I own the intellectual property. I own the microphone I'm talking into. You know, it's, it's really 
like the best of all worlds. The problem is making money with podcasting is is like it's so difficult, as you probably have figured out. You smart. I appreciate that. Number five. In this clip, Jordan shares the ways you can build your network and how it's become a staple of his show in getting top guests. So this is all about the network. Like somebody today was like, it's not just about the network. You're just booking people who have books. And I'm like, uh, well, if you look at the last 12 guests, none of them are on a book door. So, you know, there's a lot of excuses that I think people throw around because they don't want to do the networking part. They don't want to do the work. I reach out to people all the time. Um, I'm always probing for who people know that they think they could get on the show. You know, I, try, I you got to be careful not to annoy people. Um, but if I have a friend and I know that they're close with a celebrity, I'll say, hey, look, I'm only going to mention this like once every three or four months because I don't want to be that guy. But do you think you could get so-and-so to do this podcast? Because it would mean it would be great. I think we'd do a good job. You know, I could donate to their charity if that's what they want, if that's a thing. I haven't done that yet, but, you know, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I can bring their message to a lot of people. And I'm just sort of following up with those people. I'm, I might be introducing them, helping them with things. Like, I'm always ABG, which is always be giving. You know, give without the expectation of getting something in return or without the attachment to getting something in return. Can you say that again? Just the way you said it. It's like I'm always ABG, which is always be giving, you know, give without the expectation of getting something in return or without the attachment to getting something in return. So I help a lot of people without asking for anything ever. And those people know that I'm always on the hunt for guests. So when they go to a basketball camp and they run into friggin' I don't know, Yao Ming or something like that. Right. They're like, hey can't promise anything but i know yao ming's manager or you know so and so what like would you be up for that and i go yeah and then three years go by and it finally happens you know that's the kind of thing that having a lot of irons in the fire helping a lot of people with a lot of stuff without keeping score and thinking what's in it for me and just making sure that you follow up like mercilessly not not annoyingly but merci like all the time keeping in touch with people there are people that have never helped most of the people that i keep in touch with have never helped me and probably can never help me with anything and i just don't track it i just don't worry about it because the the awesome opportunities that i do get seem to fall out of nowhere and whenever i'm like so how did you find me they're like oh well our publicist was in a meeting with another person and that person had a book and they said that they heard that your show was good so i thought of you and i'm, I'm like okay so five people removed so you ended up getting a recommendation for my show. And then I look and find out that it was like somebody I've never spoken with in my life, you know, recommended me because I helped their friend. And I'm like, this is how the network effects work with with this kind of thing. So and then as, as your show grows and as you treat publicists well, they they pitch you and you respond right away, even if you're not interested. Those people will go to you first and go, hey, what about this person? And you go, yeah, thanks. You know, I've already, you have to do a little horse trading sometimes. You know, sometimes you do have to say, yeah, I'll have this person on, um, but I would love it if later on when th this person releases their book that you you throw that person to me and they go, okay, that's good, that's cool. Have these two like new authors on your show if they're interesting. And then, yeah, we'll we'll give you a, Dan Rather, or whatever, you know? You're so wise. Number six. In this clip, Jordan talks about the hardest guests to get, what it takes to get them, and how he landed an interview with Kobe Bryant. 
Ray Dalio took like three years. Oh, did he really? Okay. At least. Um, and that was just dis a lot of that was disorganization. Well, I shouldn't say disorganization. A lot of it is, you, you know, you could, these guys, they change teams all the time. If you're a billionaire, you got like 15 PR teams, right? And so they, they switch over and over and they, each book has a different one. And it's like, all right, fine. So those types of people take a long time. But what's funny is the people that you'd think would be impossible they were so fast. Like Kobe Bryant, I got on the show That's because, <laughs> yeah, Kobe Bryant, I got because I was asking somebody if they had any clients for me. They always give me comedians. He said, yeah, I've got Jim Gaffigan or something like that. I said, that would be great. He took forever to reply to me. He didn't confirm. I finally called him and I go, hey, man, if you're going to offer me somebody and then not reply, like, this relationship's not going to work. And he goes, I'm so sorry. It's I'm not ignoring you. I just, I've had so many issues with booking him and I hate to tell you, but his schedule is full. And that's why I didn't reply. Cause I was trying to get you a spot and I go, well, whatever, just let me know next time. He goes, all right, how about this? Would you be interested in Kobe Bryant next week? And I go, yeah, of course I would be interested in Kobe Bryant next week. Jim who? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Where, when do we do it? And then he, he set it all up, you know? And so that's the kind of thing where it was just kind of luck. You know, the, like some of the biggest guests that I've ever gotten have just been straight up luck. I remember with Howie Mandel, I asked someone who had had him on the show. I asked Adam Carolla, I go, How'd you, how, how do you know like Howie Mandel? Do you guys just go way back? And he goes, yeah, uh, Mike booked it. Mike, how do we know Howie? And I go, Mike, yeah, how do I book Howie? And he goes, oh, it's... Howie Mandel at AOL.com or whatever. That's not his real email, right? But like something, and I go, really? And he goes, yeah, just email him, tell him you know me. And I go, okay. So I emailed, got a response in like uh, two days. And they're like, yeah, what do you think about Thursday? I was like, this Thursday? Sure. Let me get a plane ticket. You know, it was, it was like, it, that stuff happens all the time. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. My biggest takeaways from my time spent with Jordan are that you must always be prepared, but also have the ability to actively listen to help guide conversations. Changing and reinventing yourself during the course of your career is a must, and building a solid network will always pay off in the long run. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for investing your time with us. Please let me know what you learned in the episode by hitting me up at Alan Stein Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Until then, I'm wishing you the best as you raise and sustain your game. Ah!